Welcome to Courageously Casey. I am your host, Casey Russell, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is to share my story for His glory, and my prayer is that God will utilize me to speak to your heart and mind so that you too are able to confidently and courageously go after your God-sized dreams. Let's get right to it. else realize that as an adult, time goes by so fast. Listen, I just celebrated three years of sobriety and I wanted to talk about this because I know that I have a lot of people that are sober curious, um, that have tried to get sober or that are in their, you know, early stages of sobriety. I also have, um, followers and listeners that they don't drink but their spouse has um, an alcohol addiction or something like that. And they're praying for that. And so I wanted to just share a sober journey and some thoughts about that because it's been three years. And honestly, you guys, (laughs) there's two different feelings towards that. One feeling of, wow, that went really quick. Um, How's it been three years? And then the other feeling is, wow, it seems like forever ago. It seems like it's been 30 years ago, right? Since the last time I had a drink. Now, backstory, if you have never heard my testimony and you don't know anything about why this is such a big deal, sometimes I get asked, Casey, if I quit drinking, do I have to say that I'm now sober? Like I was an alcoholic, right? And that's a great question. And then people say, why do you say it that way, right? Because we have this thing in society where people don't want to call themselves addicts. They don't want to say that they have an addiction. They don't want to say that they are an alcoholic or they suffer with alcoholism, right? But by most definitions, um, I would say for the the greater amount of people, if you think <laughs> that you're struggling with alcohol, if you think that you have a problem, if you catch yourself every single day going for that glass of wine, going for that beer, going for that vodka water, going for whatever. If you know that you cannot go to a social social event, whether it be a friend's birthday party, a wedding or what have you, and not drink, then I would say that you need to look in the mirror and see, does that reflect alcoholism to you? To me that it did. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not here to label you. That's not what this is for, but For me, it is a mark of sobriety because I did have a problem, you guys. I was never, ever that girl that could have one drink. Um, I have several friends. I mean, tons of friends. They can have one glass of wine, one margarita, one beer, one beverage of whatever choice they have, and that's it. They can go to the beach on a vacation, a week-long vacation with their husband, and they can drink, you know pina coladas and margaritas and strawberry daiquiris and they never get drunk and they never fight and their life is not in shambles and they don't black out and they don't say hurtful things and they don't have a problem with it. That was never me and that never was going to be me. Okay. And so, um, I don't relate with that. And so if you are that person, this is, you know, my story isn't, isn't the same and that's okay. Right. But just know that when I did get sober, it was so confusing for people because typically 
not all the time, definitely not all the time, but typically, especially, um, I would say in my late, like twenties, I was pretty good about covering it up. So what I mean by that is I may go to a birthday dinner. I may be at a social event or I may be at a family dinner or I may be at a Mexican restaurant having a margarita with a family member or friend and just have one or two. Okay. And I wasn't drunk, but, and so it looked like I didn't have a problem right? It looked like I was fitting in and being social and responsibly partaking and doing all these things. But what people did not see was what happened when I left. It didn't stop there. I had absolutely no control over it. And when I would leave, I would drink on the way home. I would definitely drink when I got home. Um, if I went to a hotel, always was drinking. Um, Y'all, there was even times that I would stay with friends or something and I would have alcohol in my suitcase. <laughs> so people would think, oh, she went to bed. No, she didn't. She went and took a bath and was drinking. You know what I mean? And so people never saw that part of it. A lot of times they didn't. Now, sometimes, like I said, sometimes they did because I was so out of control or I would begin drinking um, while I was getting dressed. And so I would already have been four, five, six or more drinks in before showing up at the social event. So these are all things that nobody really saw and nobody knew how bad I was struggling. Um, and so when I came out and used the word sober, it was shocking to a lot of people because people were like, we didn't know that you were an alcoholic. We didn't know that you had an addiction to this. And um, I've said this before and I'll reiterate, I was the worship leader at the local church, y'all, when all this happened. So that, that's something that I think needs to be said. You honestly don't know what people are struggling with. If, even if you see them in person, even if you obviously see them on the internet, um, the internet oftentimes is fake. And that's one of the reasons why with my platform, I'm not fake. I'm very vulnerable and transparent because I feel like that's where we've got to get belly to belly in transparency if we're ever going to actually help people, right? Our perfectionism that everybody wants to obtain or wants to portray is not attainable. And it makes people feel weak and it makes them feel less than and it makes them stay in their shame. And that's where I was. I was hidden in all these things and I was drowning it out. And I thought, how could I ever show anybody that I'm struggling? Here I am on the internet thinking that, you know, people think that I have this perfect life. I have this thriving business. I have a marriage. I write viral posts. I have the most adorable children. I am the worship leader at a local church. But in the midst of the background, I was in shambles. And so what the enemy would do is he would keep me captive because he would say, Casey, you can never come out and tell anybody that you're struggling with this. You can never come out and say, hey, I've been sober for 60 days. Hey, I've been sober for six months. Hey, I've been sober for a year, two years, now three years. You need to stay quiet because then they'll know that that perfection was fake. But that's what he wants, y'all. And so wherever you're at today, maybe you have a friend that you know is struggling and she or he thinks that you don't know. Pray for them. Start interceding. There were so many people that I do think did know, right? Because they would get these 3 a.m. phone calls or they would get these outlashes. I mean, the people that know, know. And they knew that I was a drunk. They knew that I was there was a problem. 
but they didn't know how to say anything. And honestly, if they would have said something, I probably would have run further to the bottle. So just a fair warning for that. You know, if you push people and you push people and you push people, and especially if you're pushing Jesus and church on them, that is not our job. Our job is to show love, love. God's greatest command is love. And love is not, hey, you need to quit that. Hey, you ought to not do that. That is, that's not love, y'all. I know that it can look like that, but it's not. And hindsight's twenty twenty. I know that there are people in my life that wish that they would have loved harder and they would have accepted me, the real me, not who people wanted me to be or um, social media, Casey, like the real me, right? Um, because, you know, you just never know, right? So I would encourage you, love, accept, don't judge, right? But also don't be a stumbling block. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have friends and um, I don't know about you, but when I got sober, I had friends that would say like, oh, well, can I not drink in front of you anymore or family members, right? And um, I was like, no, I'm fine. Certain people just, they just did it out of respect. They didn't say anything. They just didn't do it anymore. Other people made it a thing and it was fine because it was nice that they said something. But I want to tell you that if you just totally disregard and you know that somebody's struggling and you know that they're trying to be sober because their life has been in shambles and it's not because they're trying to make some point of sobriety. Just real quick. I feel like there's sometimes some people think that people become sober or whatever because they want to be holier than thou. That is not true in my case at all. <laughs> that is not true. There was a pivotal moment on March 1st, 2020, where it was either sobriety or my marriage. Seriously. That was it. My husband and I looked at each other and we said, we quit drinking or we get divorced. That's it. If we, if we stay drinking, then we are calling divorce attorneys, you know, and we're going to have to do this mess aside, you know, without each other. And we decided at that moment, no more. Like, this is not going to happen, right? But in Romans 14, 13, it says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And so when I think about this, it's not that you're passing judgment on your friends, but it's where you're choosing not to be a stumbling block or a hindrance, right? If you know that somebody is sober, then, then don't be bringing the ice chest. If you know that somebody is sober, then don't order a bottle for the table when you go to supper, right? Um, I am at a place now in my journey, I can be around people drinking all day. It doesn't bother me at all. Not at all. Um, now, when I see people that get drunk and they're unruly, I don't care for it because I, it grieves me. Um, it hurts me for their children because I know what it does to children, especially um, kids that are aware of what's going on. And I want to tell you that your three, four, and five-year-olds are aware of what's going on. I want to say that again. Your three, four, and five-year-olds are aware of what's going on. Yes, they are. And um, we know this because we've had conversations with our daughters about it. But, you know, I don't pass judgment. It just grieves me. And I pray over them that they can loose that from their lives. Now, we are not in those situations almost ever. Um, 
but you know, you see this if you go to a wedding or something like that. So we obviously surround ourselves with people that are safe and, um, that's been an important part of all this, but three years ago, March 1st, life got hairy y'all and it was bad. And it was so bad that, um, there had to be a line in the sand and I was scared to death of being the sober girl. I was scared to death of being weird, which is even more weird because I've always been a little weird and I've always embraced it. I've loved it. My mind is quirky. It's really fast. It's funny. And I've always liked being different. I always have. And so this was different because I was, I felt really insecure. Um, I was already struggling with friendships and I thought, wow, now I'm the girl that doesn't drink anymore. Right. And, um, I was worried about my past and the friends that were my drinking friends, you know, my college friends, my high school friends. Um, <laughs> all they knew was that Casey was the life of the party. Y'all. I never, ever, ever showed up without alcohol. I never told anybody let's not drink tonight ever. Like that was not me. Um, even in high school, I was the girl that could go and get the alcohol from the local place that wasn't supposed to sell us alcohol underage, but I would, I, I've always been that girl. I was always that girl. And so, um, when I decided when the Lord said, Hey, no more, it's, it's either me or the bottle, which are you going to choose? I was really scared to leave that all behind because it was all I had known for the greater part of 10 to 15 years. And it was kind of like my identity, right? Like I was, who am I going to be, right? Who, what am I going to do? I remember so vividly, my husband and I went to marriage counseling to kind of work through some of this because we didn't really know who we were going to be as a husband and a wife because dating and then, you know, marriage, we'd always drink. And we were like, are we going to like each other? Are we going to love each other? What are we going to do? And so we went and worked out some things with a counselor. And I remember so vividly, this was so silly now that I hear it come out of my mouth. But we literally asked the counselor, we said, okay, well, on Sunday evenings, we listen to um, Country Legends Radio at six o'clock. It comes on. And every single Sunday, we would go and we would get a case of beer, a case of beer, not a beer, y'all. <laughs> if they were out of 30 packs, we would buy a couple 12s. If we would just get a six pack, we were always going back. And we would load up and we would back road, go check cows, whatever, and listen to Legends Radio, which was like all of the old, old, old country music, Ray Price, all that kind of stuff, which we loved. And I remember sitting in that counseling office and we asked him, well, now what are we going to do on Sunday nights? Because we loved doing that. And he literally looked at us and he said, why do you have to quit that? And we said, well, we're not drinking anymore. Like what? Like we're, I don't know. We're not gonna, he goes, okay, why can't you go get a sweet tea? <laughs> and we were so shocked by that answer because we never even considered that we could definitely still go and back road check cows and listen to legend radio with a water or Tobo Chico or a sweet tea in our hand. Right. But that never crossed our mind because we had created these habits that they went together. We had created a habit that on Friday night, when it was steak night, that meant that we made Chilton's, which is a vodka drink. Um, 
we had made a habit, you know, if it was our kid's birthday party and we were setting up, we were probably drinking and we had coolers and all of our friends that came over knew that they could drink at our kid's birthday party. That had become a normal thing. And it wasn't normal at all. These were just habits that we had created and we had to totally reverse our thoughts and our habits. And I was scared of that. I was scared of throwing away the liquor bottles and the beer or the wine bottles that we had saved for, you know, important times in our life. Like I was worried about throwing those in trash. Was I wasting things? There were so many thoughts that came to mind. And so when people say, was it easy? Oh, it wasn't easy. Was it, was it worth it? Oh my gosh, totally worth it. Right. I mean, our lives started to transform almost immediately. Y'all things, my mind was clear. I was no longer able to drown out feelings. I had to face them head on. I was no longer wasting away time spent on the porch, which also a little fun fact about me. I never just drank. I always drank and smoked always. So um, I had, I didn't just have one bad habit. I had two bad habits. I never, ever, ever could drink alcohol without having a cigarette. And, um, so that's what I would do. And it was this horrible thing. And I, so I would have to sit outside cause obviously I smoke cigarettes. So here would be my family inside and their mom was outside on the porch. Right. And I think about all the time that I wasted. So when this stopped, I got time back. I got memories back. I got sleep back, like restful sleep. I got Saturday mornings feeling amazing and Monday mornings feeling amazing instead of feeling, you know, nasty and hungover and, and shame and having to clean up the mess. I, I was no longer having to do that. And so I was scared to put away those old things. But I can tell you that when I did, so many good new things came along. I want to tell you that. I believe a wholeheartedly that the Lord was waiting for my obedience so that he could bless me. You know, we know that in the word, it tells us to be diligent in the small things so that the Lord can bless us with the big things, right? If he can't trust us with the small things that he cannot trust us with anything bigger. And I knew that I always wanted God to enlarge my territory. I remember praying this even back then, y'all, I would say, God, enlarge my territory, bring me to people that I need. Help me open the doors that are supposed to be open and close the doors that are supposed to be closed. But this was one that I didn't want to close, right? I didn't want that to close. No, God, not that. And I just believe full heartedly that he was waiting on my obedience through this to set something down because it was a total lifestyle change. It wasn't, it wasn't just, um, not ever drinking again. And I just didn't order a beer anymore. It was so much bigger than that. It become such a routine and a habit, like I just shared with you guys. And so I know that the Lord was saying, Casey, if you will set this down, if you will open your hand and release this, I will fill it back up with some really good stuff, but you have to trust me. And I think about just how, how faithful he's been the last three years. You know, um, sobriety is so much more than just not picking up the bottle. It is a life of fulfillment uh, because I'm filled by him. I'm no longer drowning out, you know, a hard day with a bottle of wine. I'm no longer running to a beer when things get stressful. I'm no longer spending money 
that I can be investing in the kingdom or investing in different um, investments that will pay so that I can have an abundance, right? One of our prayers around here is God give us an abundance and help us steward it well so that we can give abundantly. And I knew he wasn't going to give me that because I didn't know how to steward it well. I wasn't stewarding it well. When my husband and I added up the amounts of money that we were spending a month and a year, it was crazy. You guys, five figures a year spent on alcohol. Five figures a year. And I think about that when I talk to people that are struggling financially and I think, man, but how much are they spending on alcohol, right? My whole mentality had to change. But when I set it down, he came in and he didn't fail me. And you know, I want to encourage you today that if you're struggling with this, and you, and you need to take hold of it and you, and you want to let it go. You cannot do this in your own strength, right? I'll tell you that when you have an addictive personality, you have to replace it with something else. So you can't just have a void. Um, some people, they replace it with another addiction, which is, you know, definitely not good. And we know that we're not supposed to make idols of anything except for the Lord. Right. And so, um, I had to start doing that. I had to start thinking about, okay, what am I going to replace this with? What I replaced it with was personal development in the word and working on myself. I hired mentors that I had never done. I started investing in people. I mean, four and five figures in a year to, to people to help me and to build me up. And so that I could pass that on, which I'm doing now. And, um, but that's what I had to do. I will tell you, um, and my husband, if you haven't heard our podcast together, go back. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was way early on, maybe five or six. And um, he shares a little bit about that. But also, you know, if you need professional help, go get professional help. My husband, we got sober on March 2nd together. He had one beer a few weeks later. After that one beer, I left him because that was the that was the deal. It was either us or the bottle. And when he had that one beer, some people didn't understand why I left. I left for about 10 days. I went back home and I really did. I started preparing a life that I, I didn't want. I knew God had his hand on our marriage, but that's how serious that drink was. There was a lot of eye rolling from people in, in the town that we lived in. Oh my gosh, she, I can't believe she left him. He just had one drink. But it was, it was like that, y'all. I was so serious. And my husband knew then that um, something had to change and he couldn't do it on his own. Because it was going to be really, really hard, especially in the lifestyle that we live in. I'm not saying that all cowboys drink. There's a lot of them that don't. But when you've always been the cowboy that shows up and you're drinking, which was who my husband was, it was really hard for them to understand that that was no longer who he was anymore, right? And so they would offer him beers. And that one time, he had one. And so um, after that, he actually went and got professional help for, I can't, I can't remember if it was a 30 or 60 day program, but I would tell you it was a commitment. It was a commitment of our finances. And most importantly, it was a commitment of our time. I watched that man every single day come in from, from work and jump on a Zoom call because remember, this is 2020, so it's COVID year. And um, he was doing an outpatient program because of COVID and he spent hours on a Zoom call. It was a huge commitment, but man, was it worth it. So I just want to encourage you with that. Don't be ashamed if you need to go reach out for help and talk to professionals and go through a program. Do it. I can assure you the investment, both of money and time that we put into Colton has been paid back 10 
and 20 and probably a hundredfold by now. So it's worth it. And I always get that question. People say, how did you do that? I've tried and I failed and I've tried and I failed. For me, I literally just woke up and said, God, here it is. I don't want it anymore. I don't want that ever again. And I haven't had a drink since. But for him, there was some more to do. Okay. I'll also say this. I have gone through years and years and years of therapy, whereas my husband had not. And so I think that was one of the biggest factors um, of that treatment facility was because there was a biblical licensed counselor to work through some deeply rooted things. And I had done a bunch of that work um, prior to this. So huge, huge advocate of adults getting their life together, going to biblical based counselors. I want to make sure that that is something that is heard loud and clear, biblical based counselors. Um, you know, counselors will pray over you at the end, right? And um, send you scripture throughout the week because it has been a game changer with me. I'm going to leave you with a few Bible verses that I'm going to pray us out. In Galatians 2.20, this is something that I cling to. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's another one. Psalm 107.2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Y'all know that I am so passionate that every single one of you has a story. And if you do get sober, please start praying to God. I want to share this. We have friends in our circle right now that we know are, are getting sober from drug and alcohol addictions. And I pray over their marriages and I pray over their children that they the Lord would equip them to start speaking out. Because like I always say, you can walk into rooms that I can't and you can talk to people that I can't. And so it takes every single one of us telling our story and our testimony of how God redeemed us and brought us through so that we can build the kingdom and help other people be set free. And then this one, y'all, Psalm 86, 12. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. I didn't want this to be my story. I didn't want to be the girl that was open about sobriety and the one that would encourage others if they were, you know, struggling with this to be set free. But here I am now so excited and boldly and courageously talking about the hard things because that's what we have to do here. You are not alone. Your brokenness is welcome here. You are not too far gone. You haven't messed up too many times. You are not unrepairable. You are a child of God. You are healed and made whole when you accept that. You are so loved and you're, you are so welcomed. And God does have a life for you that you cannot even imagine. I am living proof. I know that if there's anybody that can get sober and to start walking out the calling and the life that God has, it's me. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Stand in the gap for the ones around you. There are still people in our lives that are struggling big time. They don't hide it. We know it. And I don't judge them. I love them and I pray for them. And I stand in the gap for them and I say, God, break it off of them, please. Not only for them, for the generations to come. Not only for them, but for their friends around them so that they may no longer be a stumbling block, but that they would be a beacon on a hill, a light on a hill that their friends would come to know you through them. That's what I pray. It's been three years. And we're just getting started. 
And wherever you are today, just know that God can do a lot in three years' time. And it can either sound like it's going to be forever or that it's going to flash in the blink of an eye. But either way, I know that I know that I know that I know that the life that we have right now and the life that we're going to have tomorrow or a year or two years or next three years can look drastically different. But it is up to us to choose. So I thank y'all for celebrating. And if you have anybody in your life that you think this could encourage, share it with them. You know, um, you just never know. A click of a button could do so many things. Thank you, God, for today. Lord, I, I celebrate you um, for saving me, for redeeming me, for bringing me out of the pit, man, and bringing me out of that bottle. And Lord, just giving me this life of fulfillment. That even on the hard days, I don't feel near like what I felt before. Um, Lord, I thank you for the generational curses that had stopped at my home because of you coming into our lives and helping us make this choice of sobriety. Lord, I pray over any listener right now that their heart is hurting, Lord, that they're struggling with addiction, that they have somebody in their family or their friendships that are struggling with addiction. God, that they would be set free, Lord, that they would be a light to the people around them, Lord, and they would begin moving towards the life that you have them. And if it means setting down an addiction, God, that they would set it down today. Lord, I know that there's nothing that you cannot do. All things are possible with you, God. And so we partner with you and we love you. And we thank you for the healing that's going to come and for the kingdom people that are going to be brought into your kingdom because of stories just like this one that you've given me. We love you. Amen. All right, you guys, I love you, but Jesus loves you more. Hey, friend, I pray that this podcast resonated with you today. If it did, would you please do me a favor? Take three minutes and give me a review. Five stars, obviously the best. And in the comments, write how God spoke to you today. Also, if you are not already, please, please, please follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Casey Graham Russell, all together. I would love to connect with you over there. And if you haven't checked out my website, CaseyGrahamRussell.com, we are constantly updating things. I'm sending out emails and just trying my best to give you guys more tools to live out your God-sized dreams. Until next time, God bless. And hey, guess what? I love you, but Jesus loves you so much more.